Welcome back to the Slice and Dice podcast, where we are sitting here trying to come to terms with the fact that Zayn Malik has left One Direction. He has? He has. <laughs> I mean, cried myself to sleep a last night. to One Direction There's right officially two directions currently. Oh my god. <laughs> so what are teenage girls going to do right Pitching now? themselves off rooftops they are. Well, at least they can come to grips with the fact that Justin Bieber has found a better part of himself, and he's apologetic for for everything he was last year. And apparently, it was a carefully crafted image that he fought, but still had to follow because of his publicist. So they have that to hang their head on. So if they can't have One Direction, they, they can have Justin. They can Bieber. they can believe once again. They can. <clears throat> now, who is who is Zayn, Zayn Malik? Is that, is that yeah, his name? I, I I had to commit that. The only one I knew is that, that hairy yeah. dude. What you mean his name was Harry? He wasn't it, Harry, dude. Well, but they all have—they do have shitty hair. Well, now, that's why I would get with One Direction. They have the shittiest hair ever for a pop band. It's like they've gotten way too into the moose or whatever it is. And know, maybe it's a British thing. I don't could know. be. I don't know. Brits have funky teeth and bad hair. I guess. Oh, hey, you just offended our British, uh, our British listener. Yeah. Well, they'll return pip, eventually. Pip, pip, pip cheerio. Uh, got some news or some some topics of conversation? Well, one of them that actually just came upon me as we'll be discussing a movie later. Yes, we're going to discuss a movie. There's a movie worthy of discussing since we've last sat down. Um, and we saw the trailer for Poltergeist. Mm-hmm. Now, I will fully admit when I heard they were going to reboot Poltergeist... Or remake Poltergeist. It's really not a reboot. It's a, re- it's a remake. Um, I, I was hesitant. I will say what I saw in that trailer, I'm intrigued. Um, what I saw in the trailer, acknowledging that they gave me two and a half minutes. Yeah, no, I, I, I that's the first I had seen. I, and I actually knew that was out, and I had just forgot to look it up. I, I never bothered. And to your point, I think it's just one of those instances where, you know, another remake, whatever. Right. Um, yeah, you know, it, it was a good trailer, but don't get sucked in by the, the goodness of a trailer because they're, they're, those are intentional. That, it's kind of like it's kind of like video game trailers and how impressive they look like, but oh, they don't quite live up to that standard when you actually play the you know, game. You no, know, that's, that's a great example. And I always remember there was a game that a lot of people remember called Parasite Eve that came on the late 1990s for the PS2. And, or probably PS1, now I think about it. Trailer looked fucking amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. When I went out and bought the game at that, pri- at that time, full price, the weekend it came out, Threw it in and was so underwhelmed by this game. And you re- that's when you... All the deal was is they just take all that stop motion and, and the special CGI that they only used for the like in-between scenes. Yeah. Would throw that into a trailer and you go, wow, that looks amazing. You can get... Did that come make... out of your ass, by the way? It did. God damn, dude. I'll own this one. That, that's not in your kitchen. I can't own Oh, I don't Jesus. know what that was, but this one... This I is love. far more horrific than the smell of my kitchen. Well, only because it came from me. So I... I oh, probably pizza from last night and yeah, chop suey this morning. Yeah, carry on. Anyway. I'll be under my shirt. Enjoy. But yeah, Poltergeist, I'm intrigued. But it, it, they, they could have also given us the only two and a half minutes worth watching. Now, yeah. the fact that Rockwell's tied to it, I, I, I like. Yeah. But I have seen some shitty things Rockwell's been into. 
Yeah, no, granted, um, I, I do like that Rockwell's a part of it. I mean, for the most part, it looks like they're they're aligning with the with the same concept as the first, but throwing a few modern tricks into it as far as effects and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, they they, they kept the clown. Yeah, this uh, this is true. You have to keep the clown though, realistically. Yeah, if you, if you lose the clown, you you. I mean, I can live without the. Oh wait, was the, the tree was in the first one, right? Yeah. The the second one was with the braces that tried to eat the kid. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but the, yeah, the first one was the tree trying to eat the kid. Yeah, no, I, I don't need good. the tree. The closet, you can give me plenty with the closet. You can give me the TV bit because I know that's iconic, and the clown certainly is an iconic thing. Yeah. They just can't give me the exact same clown thing. Right. We don't need this to be another carry where all they've done is said, we're going to redo the movie just because it's going to be the exact same movie. We're just going to put Facebook in the movie. It looks to me like they've uh, maybe paranormal activity up a little bit. Oh. Some of the tricks that they're yep. doing. The kid gets pulled up the stairs and, yep. that, and that kind of stuff. Which, Yeah, I don't remember the kids. Well, I guess being eaten by a tree. I, I, I should probably stop saying this. But I don't remember the kids being as tossed around quite so much in the first one. Other than a tree trying to eat him and a clown trying to choke him. But, no, there was no chucking up the tree. I do remember seeing in the original, wasn't there... They were playing that the kids could slide across the floor. Yeah. Uh, something like that. Well, when early on, it was the, a the poltergeist, right, so right, it was right, just right, playing right. with them. Right. And, and it was lulling them into a false sense of security. And then the clown. And then the fucking yes. clown. So my jump-off point here is Alienation. They're going to reboot. I have a soft spot in my heart for Alienation. I like the TV show. I love the movies. Do you have any history with this thing whatsoever? No history. I, I, I've heard of it, but I have no history whatsoever. Alien Nation is is one is one of those sci-fi movies that to me was kind of a lightning in the bottle idea. Where, is that the one where the dudes had look, their heads look like they had skin conditions or something? Yeah, with Mandy Patinkin. Okay, it was and, and basically it was that. It, it was kind of like District 9 30 years ago, but in this case they were absorbed into society. Where they just appeared, they were almost like second class citizens on their own planet. Gotcha. They arrived here, they made good, we made them part of society, and they started blossoming. And, and they were also in jokes where when they arrived, they just started naming themselves after... People or places, so Samuel Francisco was one of the main characters and things like that. But the problem is this. Um, my fear with doing a reboot of Alienation is I'm always afraid when we're going to revisit something 20 or 30 years later. And I've kind of got the same fear when we're talking about a Mad Max movie rolling out this year. Fury Road looks good mm -hmm. in the trailer. Can you revisit something 20 or 30 years later, though, and have it work? And that's my ask of you. Is it possible? We have another yeah, instance yeah. where all of a sudden we're going to have, Pee what, Pee-wee's Big Holiday? I love Pee-wee Herman. I love Pee-wee's Big Adventure. But all of a sudden, 30, 20 or 30 years later, we're rolling out a new Pee-wee Herman movie. Granted for Netflix, but still, can we it, revisit I these I really things? just think it depends on... Who is involved? Um, you know, you take some of the 
things like RoboCop or Total Recall or Red Dawn even. And, you know, not, not that every one of those movies was great to begin with, but there's a nostalgia factor there and you appreciate for the times. And those were huge fails in in the remakes. But, again, I, I blame a lot of that on, on just who was making the film. Um, you know, I, I don't know if, if things like... I don't know if Star Trek qualifies as having long enough gap, but I mean J.J. Abrams brought that back essentially, and I think was was equal to the task of of what what we had in the originals, or even better, just modernized it, you know, made made it better. So does it become more? What kind of passion does somebody have about it? It could if it's not just. I think the problem that we have with the Total Recall with, with the RoboCop is. They just tried to give us the same movie, just modernized and hope to capitalize off it. Whereas, to a certain extent, I, Star Trek, to me, felt like it was done with the passion of the fan in mind. I think they paid a whole lot of care and they gave a whole lot of nods to the original in good ways, while mm-hmm. still giving a new story. Yeah, I mean, certainly, we hadn't had a story about... The Romulans trying to uh, trying to get revenge uh, or the the destruction of Vulcan that was something completely new as far as I know it could be some fanzine that I'd never read yeah but I, I I think that if you revisit these universes with a fresh take then I almost think you're better off and I, I know again people say with Star Trek well it's the same crew it was but it was a different story we hadn't gone down that road before. Carrie, Robocop, Total Recall, these were all trying to give us the exact same story, mm-hmm. just modernized. And, and, yeah. and I think you have to be careful there because people have passion for the originals. Well, but to the same regard, for the people who don't have the history or the nostalgia factor going for them, if they, if they have no history and never saw the original Carrie... Fair enough. This new carry may have played off quite well. That, that's a great point because honestly, my uh, nieces had never seen the original carry. They watched this one and absolutely loved it. They yeah. thought it was a fantastic film, and I'll always remember that. I think was the, I think of all the movies we've done, uh, podcasting about. I think that's the only movie you and I have been to where there was nobody else in the theater when we went. And it was was it carry? Yeah, it was carry. Um, you know, and I didn't have any issue with the way she made the, the movie, um, other than that it was honestly a point-for-point point yeah. remake, and that just didn't make sense to me. So, from from somebody who's a big fan of the original, that just seemed like a pointless thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if, if you've never seen the original, you, this this is your carry, I guess. Right. And, and, and maybe... Well, I, I don't know. Because I had a hard time uh, reconciling that Chloe Moretz was as ostracized as she was. I mean, she's, you know, say what you want about Sissy Spacek, but she was a very plain, you, you bought into that she was just this shy, awkward. Sissy I wasn't Spacek getting that Chloe was always Moretz. a freak show looking check. Yeah. And you, you definitely cannot believe that as Carrie in that movie, he, she would have been seen as an outcast. You're right. Mm-hmm. To a certain extent, in the, in the modernized version of Carrie, Chloe Grace Moretz was the 80s trope of you put put a girl's hair in pigtails, put glasses on her, and all of a sudden she's supposed to be ugly. You remove both. 
shake her hair out and she's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. That's what they did with Chloe Grace Moretz and it never worked. And and, and I'd also argue Chloe in, in real life is just a better looking girl anyway. Yeah. Sissy SpaceX kind of a freak show, so. But on that note, it's been announced that A&E is going to be doing a Let the Right One In series. Mm. Is there enough here to do a series on? Understanding that I didn't think there was with baseball, with with uh, Psycho, yeah, Bates Motel's on season three and going strong. Yeah, I think there's I think there's plenty of story to tell around that, but we don't we don't know anything about those people in that story outside of that I don't know couple of weeks I guess that right. was that was a part of that. We don't know how uh, Ellie became Ellie. We don't we don't. Kind of. And the reason I say kind of is if you bought, the American version is called Let Me In, right? Yeah. If you bought the Blu-ray of that, there's actually a, the special edition Blu-ray, one of the deleted scenes was her creation. Well, they, are they basing this show off of the American version or the Swedish version? That I have not heard. Hey, they're really the same story. Yeah, the American version sort of, to your point, expands upon it a little bit. So. And it also plays up tropes that play better with an American audience, too. Sure. I mean, I, I don't know that the scene was in the Swedish version with the, the, the crazy cats that were attacking a lady or something. And mm -hmm. I, I don't know that that plays that well with an American audience. And also there was a lot of the foreign version also was just playing out around how shitty their environment was in terms of the, whatever that apartment complex was that they were living in. And, <laughs> and I don't know if the American version played that up quite as much. No. It was more about the relationships within it. For better or worse. Right. I love the Let the Right One In, though. I like the Swedish version better, but um, I, I thought they did a decent job with the remake. But, you know, again... Why they? Why the Americans feel like they need to remake everything good that comes out? There. I just heard that uh, uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus now attached for a force majeure, Americanized force oh, majeure. I remember that. This it's one year old. Uh, uh, I can't uh, can't remember what country, but um, a foreign flick from yeah. last year. Is that Danish? It may be. I don't remember. Yeah. Um, it was a decent flick. But immediately, we've already attached somebody, and we're going to remake it for American audiences now. Well, why are American audiences too stupid that they can't just watch the damn subtitled foreign well, version? No, I think that's a very valid point. <laughs> but they are. I, and that, I, I, I don't know, is it a stupidity? That, that's a I great question. Is it it's a stupidity, it's just lazy. Or, or is it lazy? And I also use another word that I think is associated with it, elitist, where... If it's not American, we don't feel like it's worthy of our viewing. And I'll, I'll include Brit in American in this case, if it's not in English. And there's certain countries I think we'll give a pass to every now and then. I think French, depending upon the viewer, though. Because our, if you're an art house film guy, you're probably more than willing to watch foreign versions of films. Guilty. Yeah, no question. But I don't think the average viewer is going to go to a film. As soon as you hear subtitles, they're out. Yeah. Give me subtitles anyway, any day over dubbing. Oh, absolutely. 
I mean, I watched a movie last night, which I'll be discussing later, where the, the soundtrack of the film was off by 10 seconds. That threw, I mean, literally, at times I found that I could only watch my own computer screen and, and just listen to the movie because it was throwing me off so badly. Right. And, it, but yeah, I do believe American audiences, there's, and it may be. I, I don't think it's elitist so much. I mean, I, there's always going to be the, I guess what we call cinephiles, which I sort of consider myself that, but not... Not of high pretension, because I like. Yeah, you, well, I can get into a summer blockbuster just as well as I can get into. You, you appreciate a film for what its intent is, right? Um, but yeah, I you know, and I I don't know what what the what the reasoning is behind why average Americans don't embrace those types of films, but they don't, and that's why you don't see them. That's why they they just sort of pop up here here or there in that one little art house place you have. In your town. Um, Which, sadly, Portland tr- really... Well, I guess the Nickelodeon well, is to, close. You have to give the Nickelodeon credit. Oh, they, they try. They, they will bring in stuff that... I mean, what we do in the shadows has been there for three weeks now. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, that, I think that's great. We oh, need that I love that thing. movie. Did you uh, finally see the whole thing? Yes. Uh, um, yeah, it, you know, it's great. I mean, the, Cinemagic would never bring that in. And to Cinemagic's point, Cinemagic, they cater to... The wider audience, Cinemagic would stand to make no money off bringing. Well, and, and I think that's that's probably the, the 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 biggest point is I'm fairly certain that whoever owns a Nickelodeon, that thing's been bought and paid for for years. They may still have some kind of rent, but the fact of the matter is, it's it's been sitting there for now forty years or thirty yeah. years. Whereas Cinemagic Westbrook. That thing was built 10 years ago. I'm sure there was a million dollar expense attached to it. So they have to make sure they're getting the films in there that people are going to pay to see. Playing to 10 or 12 people won't fly. And and Portland, you can get away with that. And also, I'm sure that being in Portland also makes it easier for, for Nickelodeon because they can get that city person. And I don't want to sound like I'm trashing them because I also like going to just a good cinephile kind of film every now and then. But I, I, I would argue that being in a city, you're more likely to attract that set sure. than you are if you're going to be off the beaten path. Yep. I mean, if, you have, if you're if you in a place where people can just bike to it or bus to it or whatever, you're going to get the wider audience. Right. So, you and I are, are both fans You've of... committed all these to memory? You know, you're looking a lot. Yeah. What? I'm fairly impressed. Usually you have to like uh, what, what was I talking about next? I, I, I'm trying to be better. <laughs> I'm, I'm, my memory can suck, I know, but I'm taking ginkgo biloba. I can't help that. <laughs> nice. Uh, uh, along with a little blue pill or whatever. So Kevin Smith has announced now that we, we, we've got Clerks 3 going into production this year, mm-hmm. and they've moved up Mallrats 2, which since we've last... Since we last spoke to our audience member, Clerks 2, I mean, Mallrats 2 hadn't been announced yet. Well, it's official, and it sounds like day by day, more and more people signing on. I saw your, is it Jason London? Was that his name? Um, Justin London? Jason London. Jeremy London. Jeremy London. Not to be confused with Justin Long and his podcast. Good God, I hope not. Um, Has officially signed on for Mallrats 2. Yeah. Um... Considering our last viewing 
from a Kevin Smith picture was Tusk. Is it a good or bad thing that after we see Yoga Hosers, we're going to revisit the View Askew Askewiverse a little bit? Or do we run the risk that he could hurt our memories or something? I, uh, I don't know. I love Kevin Smith, so this, this is killing me to ask this question. I guess I like that, that I like in a way that Kevin Smith, and, and Tusk aside, Tusk is not a good movie, but part of that, too, is, is my disdain for Justin Long um, as an actor, um, and just some bad, bad decisions in that film, I think. Um, th- that aside, I, I'm... I like the sort of that Kevin Smith has said "fuck you" to the to the establishment, and I'm just going to play in my own sandbox however I want. Do the play. movies I want to make, and you know what? If you like it, great. If you don't, great. I, mm-hmm. you know, um, a lot of people don't like Clerks too. I liked Clerks too. Um, I haven't seen it in a while, but uh, I actually watched it about a year and a half ago. Uh, I like Clerks too. It's one of those things. It's like, eh, how do you? Where do you go after Clerks, you know? And Clerks wasn't written to be a movie you could use as a jump-off point for a universe here. Right. Um, well, the common thread is is mostly Jay and Silent Bob. True. Even though, personally, Randall is my favorite character from the movies. From the Clerks movies, sure. Right. But Jay and Silent Bob... Are they're the, the threads throughout, the, 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 throughout the View Askew universe. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm fine with it. I After what I saw of Tusk... I'm not all that excited to jump into yoga hosers anytime soon. I, I, I guess I'd prefer to see what what he can do again with something that's a little more familiar. Well, and, and here's the the pain point for me with Tusk is now. Last night I was able to sit a, a, and watch uh, Red State again, mm. and so this is part of me that wants to say, well, Kevin Smith just doesn't know how to do horror. So he's got to bring in the comedy element, thus the atrocious Johnny Depp character mm-hmm. in Tusk. Which, let's be honest, if you remove that Johnny Depp character, that movie becomes at least marginally better. Well, you, it becomes better. You certainly. remove Justin Long and put in somebody who can really act and get rid of the stupid accent, that movie becomes marginally better. It still feels very much like... This is what happens if you have a stoner doing a horror, horror movie. Absolutely. Um, but it, I want to say he just can't do that kind of movie, but Red State's a fantastic film. I like it. Um, I've only seen it the once, to be honest with you. I, I've only seen it the once. I haven't maybe giving it, given it the, the, the critical eye, but I, I, yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought, I, mean, it was, I thought it was really good. Something completely different from Smith. Right. It, now, certainly, it's got little elements where you're like, this is where Kevin Smith didn't know how to yeah. write something. Such as the, was it the neighbors that played the loud music that the, just to irritate the cult, that was the Red State cult, yet there's, they heard it as like the horn of the gods. Right. There's always, he he, he always goes Kevin Smith at some right. point. He didn't tusk a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And when he does that, uh, that that's where I I pause and I go all right maybe this guy really can't get out of his own way sometimes fair enough um, because yeah. he he you definitely see um, a lot of the view of Skewniverse Kevin Smith 
bleed into these other things that are that are outside of that universe. Um, and he did it with Red State. He did it with Tusk. I expect that he'll continue to do with it. With yoga hosers and... Um, yeah. But, you know, going back into the Viewisk universe, it probably it won't stick out as much because maybe you're expecting more of that. Type yeah, of the Viewisk universe. I would definitely argue that we view the Viewisk universe, no pun intended, differently than we do his films that have been done since. Since the, the classic ending of really... I would point to Dogma more than Clerks 2, the ending where he closed the book on the Viewisk universe and God goes dancing off. I I think that was probably the end. Clerks 2 well, feels... Jay Silent Bob was sort of... Jay Silent Bob Strike Back was sort of... Uh... It, it, it certainly fell in there, too. But I always kind of use Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back as, this is my gift to the fans who want more Jay and Silent Bob. Yeah, I agree. And, and less Viewisk universe. Um, whereas Clerks 2, just, I like the movie a lot, but it kind of feels tacked on and unnecessary again, because as we said, Clerks wasn't built to ever have a sequel. So I guess my attitude about it is I'll, I'll give it a chance. It's Kevin Smith. I love the guy, but I also acknowledge that there, there are, Kevin Smith has his weaknesses. Oh, sorry. And maybe well, those, he'll admit that he has right. And, and maybe there's a part of me that appreciates that that he doesn't take himself too seriously. Even though I know there are, there are haters that would argue that he takes himself way too seriously, um, but there are haters that would argue that about anybody. I think the most intriguing thing for me right here is is will he get Affleck to bite? That's the one person from Mallrats who had well. There's, he's got eight out of apparently the twelve original so far. We've not gotten Ben Affleck. We haven't got Claire Forlani. We haven't gotten uh, Joey Lauren Adams. And there's, there's one other one in the jo- uh, Claire Forlani and Joey Lauren Adams. I think he'd be able to get. Honestly, I haven't seen Claire Forlani in anything, and I know somebody. Well, she was in that Camelot. Thing. That's literally where I was going to go. Is since Camelot, um, she played his, uh, Arthur's mom, right? Yeah, but but. Uh, Affleck is is leaps and bounds up the food chain from all these yeah. other people, and he's busy. So yeah. I don't know. He, uh, he's doing interesting. He's doing a, a little movie right now called Batman v Superman, which probably is going to make a little more Jack than going to Mallrats too. And you know what? The way Smith is hyping this movie up, it's almost like maybe he has that secret. Maybe he knows that that last guy he's going to announce is Affleck. They've 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 pulled the uh, they've pulled the shooting schedule up on that. Maybe he's got maybe it's a break. You can't imagine that it was, it's going to take long to shoot Mallrats too. No. And I don't no. know how much. I guess it depends on how how much does Ben Affleck think he owes Kevin Smith at this point. Well, it, it, it wasn't that even the joke in Jay and Silent Bob where he even made the comment about going back to my fen, uh, friends or something yeah. and. Because they, they kind of feel like they owe me, and they had Affleck and Damon turn and kind of mug at the camera. And, yeah. Uh, but, and I mean, when we last left Affleck's character in Mallrats, was he not in prison about to be raped? I believe he was. That was the final scene. Cause yeah. that, was, that was the setup, is that he got with the girl who was the 16-year-old doing the sex book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and raiding all the guys, and it was announced she's 16. Yeah. Oh, really? Well, she looks 18, and... He was being hauled away, and then it was a little cutaway at the end of the little the little narration. He was getting massaged or right. 
by another. So it, it, you don't need a major piece, but to have him pop... If you're going to do a Mallrats 2, I think you do need to have him pop in. It would be glaringly missing if you didn't have Ben Affleck. I'm going to have to like come up with an article about how much of a douchebag Ben Affleck is in a lot of the movies he's in. And, and why? Is it his look? He was a douche in that. He was a douche in Dazed, Dazed and Confused. confused. Um, he was, you know, you could argue he was a douche in Gone Girl. I can argue nothing. He was a douche in Gone Girl. That Gone Girl, as one of my favorite movies last year, I will completely argue neither one of those two was likable. Clearly he was a douche in Dogma. Well, yeah, he kind of wanted to end civilization so he yeah. could get back into heaven. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was, yeah, actually, maybe it's his look. Maybe. I don't know. He was uh, he was a douche, I think, in uh, Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, he always wanted to start yeah. fights and shit like yeah. that. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> there is something about him. I guess there is. Um, Argo is about the only thing I can think of off the top of my head. There, he wasn't like a douche. <laughs> yeah, and and, I, and that's I will agree, but also own up to the fact that he also had that run of. Romantic yeah. uh, rock songs that, that I wasn't going to watch. That doesn't even count. I have seen Geely. I will fully admit that oh, I've geez. seen Geely. Do not see Geely. Don't waste the time. Yeah. If you really want to see a Jennifer Lopez movie, I cannot recommend The Cell enough. Don't see Geely. Um, Alright. The last thing I want to mention, and this is going to take things down a little bit, and I won't spend a whole lot of time on it. Are you going to depress us? I am. We lost somebody who means a great deal to me last week. We lost A.J. Perrell, the drummer from Twisted Sister. Oh, right, right, right. And I, I, all I can say is, I know there's a lot of people who felt like... like 55 or something. Yeah, he died of a heart attack on on the tour bus. He, he had a, a side project, man. But he'd been with Twisted Sister pretty much from the beginning. Um, Hard living. It, yeah, they even though Twisted Sister didn't have all the... All the Issues that other bands did. They tried to, they stayed fairly clean. And I say fairly, I'm sure there was plenty, there's skeletons in every band's closet. Sure. But all I can say is for, for people that believe that Twisted Sister was basically just, we're not going to take it, go grab the Stay Hungry album and play it from beginning to end. It was a, probably one of the most underappreciated albums from the hair band, the hair metal 80s. There's not a throwaway track on it. Stay uh, Stay Hunger is great. Burn in Hell was great. The Price was a great power ballad. And, and A.J. Perro's drumming, realistically, for uh, people remember the video for We're Not Gonna Take It. The drum line at the very beginning, the that's all A.J. Perro. He was an underappreciated drummer, and we really lost a great one. So do yourself a favor. Grab a Twisted Sister album. Give it a listen, just give a nod to AJ Perrell, and I'm done with depressing people. All right. Well, we'll pause there and we'll do a little of what we watched. Come on, Eddie. Let's go to the movies. Let's go see the stars. <laughs> Cowboy heroes, cops and robbers, glamour and strife, bigger than life.
So, let's talk a little what we've seen lately. Um, we, won't, we won't belabor this too long. I mean, I know Honestly, it's been a while since we've... I, I've seen plenty of stuff since... I've been doing more TV watching. It's, it's, I'm finding that January to March is all TV for me, for the most part. Mm. We have always... Well, now Always Sunny's moved in that time. Walking Dead. Home run season, by the way. Archer. The following, I'm kind of following. Not following the following? Bates Motel, though, fantastic show. Mm. So, and uh, watching the final season of Justified right now. So, there's plenty. My DVR is going off plenty times. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't have a whole lot of TV going on. I mean, Walking Dead is really um, the only thing I've, I've been watching religiously. I, I shouldn't say that. I've watched, uh, I've got my season of Girls under my belt. So you have that going for I you. I have that going for me. Uh, and I You've did, seen Lena Dunham's tits probably more than once. Uh, yeah, more than I care to, but uh, still a good show. Um, and I did binge watch The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, which was, which was just great. Just great comedy. And of course I watched The Goldbergs, because The Goldbergs is Goldberg. a rule. It's all about Murray. It is all about Murray. Um, other than that, saw a couple flicks. Uh, I'll jump in there first, I guess. Um... Saw a flick called Spring. I'll get the next round. Yeah, go on, man. Thanks, Evan. We saw each other earlier, and if I stared any longer without saying hi, I'd be the creepy dude gawking. Oh, shit. English? I need a drink. Well, come sit with me and my friends. Sit with me. Yeah. I have to get this round first, and... I'd rather go home with you now, but if you like boys more... (laughs) Really? Come on. What are you doing? Trying to have fun. Are you a prostitute? want me to be? Are you gonna rob me? Nah, you look poor. Well, I'm not gonna carry drugs up my ass for you or your boss. Go out with me tomorrow night. No. Because you're a hooker. Because I don't date. This is a bad fact you have, but let's say you go home with me. I'd still like to grab coffee or something sometime, because I think you're the most attractive person I've ever seen. But that doesn't outweigh that you might be a mental patient, and I gotta make sure you're the kind of crazy I can deal with. Because it's spring. Although this really has nothing to do with, with spring this season. Uh, maybe metaphorically it does. Let me get um, But basically, spring... Uh, it, what's cool about this, this one and the other one that I... Uh, um, that I watched have a little bit of a supernatural element to it, which sort of segues nicely into our uh, upcoming discussion. Uh, Spring is a sophomore effort by the writer-director team Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. Um, and like you, I've never heard of them either before this movie came out. And I basically, <clears throat> I basically took this movie on a recommendation <laughs> of 
a, uh, a trusted film site that I visit, and mm-hmm. um, and I watch this, and it's basically about this 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 guy who's who was pretty attached to his mom, and, and mom dies of cancer, and he just sort of goes a little bit off the edge a little bit, gets himself into a little trouble, is concerned that the, the law is coming to get him, and he sort of takes off for uh, Europe. Um, Italy, specifically, I believe. And he's basically over there trying to just sort of hang out, collect his thoughts, get his life together. And he runs across this uh, nice-looking lady who propositions him. Um, and oddly enough, it's, it's interesting. He's not one of these guys who's just, like, going to go jump in the sack with her. He actually is, like, questioning, like, why are you a prosecutor? You know, this kind of stuff. And so it was kind of, it's kind of cool that way. It didn't, it didn't just immediately go where you think it's going to go. Um, and we find out over time that she's a little strange. She's got, I'll just say, issues herself um, that may or may not be within her control. Um, and it, it really, the whole thing, you could say that spring, the title is the metaphor for new beginnings and such. Um, the whole thing is is one big metaphor for the dangers, or not the dangers, but the the, the anxiety about commitments and relationships and stuff. A lot of relationship metaphor going on here, but it's done in a way where there's this supernatural element that comes into play and reasonings why she doesn't want to get too attached to him, reasonings that he does, and then it, it just culminates in this sort of really nice little ending, an, an, an ambiguous ending. Um, so, you know, fair warning on that if you, if you can't handle that type of thing. Um... And it just just really well done, really well scripted, really well paced, um, uh, supernatural romance type thing, and hmm. um, really kind of cool. I, I I I would say for me, spring currently. I mean, we're only a quarter of the way through 2015. Certainly, uh, rates in my top five films of the year so far. Could easily see it uh, landing in my top 25 at the by the end of the year. Um, as will the next film that I that I talk about. Um, but spring was, uh, was a solid, uh, four out of five for me. Really? Yeah. As you started describing it, I, I, I remember reading something on this film last year when it was being made, but it, it one of those things I just remember is kind of a passing thing that it was getting some love that people thought it was going to be a decent movie, but yeah. I, and I don't remember if it was, what was being made, or maybe it well, was when it hit the... the cool thing about it, I said this is their sophomore effort, and to be honest with you, their freshman effort is on Netflix. And after... Um, what's cool is this Justin Benson guy uh, is one of the filmmakers behind this, uh, behind Spring. Um, I, I want to say it was the AV Club, um, which is a great website, it's, uh, by the way. Uh, they always do uh, reviews of TV shows every week, and they do the Goldbergs, and Adam Goldberg actually gets on their message boards really? and interacts with people. And I want to say it was their site, too, that had done something with Spring, and Justin Benson had gotten on there and done some... Um, or maybe it was The Dissolve. I don't remember. Um, but two two good sites. And uh, I, I had heard about their original effort called uh, uh, Resolution... And it's on Netflix streaming, and I highly recommend you watch Resolution. Really? All right. Uh, another 
supernatural horror type thing um, where it, it sort of makes fun of the horror tropes, the cabin in the wood type tropes and stuff. Not in the way Joss Whedon does it, but just different. And you see a lot of the different elements of that type of horror come into play, but in a very tense and intense setting and the way it, it ends again a little ambiguous but um just another just well well fleshed out tight little supernatural horror type thing i'll just give myself a note to check that one out check there. it out absolutely and if you like that find spring out there because uh, two two really good efforts for the supernatural horror genre hmm. smart horror it's, it's it's a thing these days it's, it's starting to come back seems to be uh go ahead Alright, well, the movie, I had every intention of coming in being able to give a, a great discussion on Inherent Vice, and as I told you, I got halfway <laughs> through that movie, I had seen it no yet. fucking clue what was going on. It, I, I, dude. Were you liquored up? Were you tired? I mean, because I've had those issues before where I'm like, I'm, I'm ready to watch something, but I'm so damn tired, I'm just I wasn't liquored up. It. it could have been tired, but I, I have read multiple people saying that They've watched it and didn't know what they saw. Well, that seems to be the thing. Um, it's Paul Thomas Anderson, right? Yeah. Um, but who I love. Oh, I, but I, I it's love less his work and it's more, I guess, this Thomas, Thomas Pynchon who yeah. wrote the book. And I guess a lot... Somebody could probably tell me I'm wrong, but it's my understanding a lot of his books are written very drug-addled 1970s style. So See, Hunter S. Thompson... Uh, very scenes that... Fit, seem to be very loosely fitting, but there's okay. a common thread, and that if you're on something, it makes sense. Right. And, and it wasn't working, so I'll say I was tired. It had been a long day, not liquored up, but either way, I'll give it another shot. I can't review it for this. So what I did end up putting on was a movie I'd heard of before called Faults. Have you tried a family intervention or exit counseling? We did, Thanksgiving. The group discourages interactions with family and friends, especially on what they call days of falsities, holidays. We convinced her to come, but it would be okay. As soon as she saw what it was, she immediately turned violent. There was an anger in her eyes. I, I don't know if this will make any sense, but as weak as she was physically, emotionally, I saw a strength in her I had never seen. I don't want to lose my daughter, Mr. Roth. I've heard of that. With a person, uh, the, the main character is a guy named Leland Orser, who's kind of a bit character in tons of shit. If he's one of those guys, if you see him, you go, oh, it's that guy. He always plays a guy who's a little psychotic, a little chaotic. And in this movie, he's just that. He, he's a, a person who's a quote-unquote expert on, on cults. And what it takes to break the break the programming of cults. And I chose this movie because uh, you and I have discussed the big Scientology movie about to be aired tomorrow night on HBO, which I can't wait to see because I'm fascinated. Although, although unless they load it up on HBO Go, I may have to wait a day. Good point. I, I, I since I've got the free preview of HBO, yeah, I'm DVRing that sucker. Although it's oh, you're gonna DVR because Walking Dead finale is tomorrow too. Yeah, I'm DVRing it. Walking Dead finale will be my viewing um, because that will be water cooler talk. I'm sure, certain. But so this movie is about a guy who is a quote unquote expert on cults, breaking people out of them, 
what it takes to do so, what it, what the my, mental programming is. But he's also an absolute douchebag. It, it starts with him being shown basically eating in a restaurant at a hotel who they approach him and say he's already eaten his one free meal for speaking there and he literally is at the point where he squirts ketchup on his plate and scratches that up and eats it just to prove a point that he's going to get everything he can out of him. And he's approached by, he gives his talk and is constantly pitching, buy my book, buy my book, I won't sign anything unless you buy my book. And at the end he's approached by this couple who says that their daughter has been taken by a cult and, and they want her back. So he's Adam Shadow Child. Literally, did you, Adam Shadow Child. Did you buy my book? Well, then fuck off. And, and he pulls that <laughs> with him. So it, to the point where they go and buy his book and, and they approach him. And he's like, okay, fine, now I'll talk to you. And they give him this pitch that they're, they're, they love their daughter. They've written her off right now because she's in so deep with the cult. And they want to get her back. Um, so he... For the right dollar sum, agrees to help get the, the, abduct the daughter and deprogram her. The daughter played by Mary, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Um, it, it's it's a fascinating film because it's one of those films that feels like it's trying to be way more intelligent than it is. The, the ending really doesn't work for me, but I can see where for some it will. It, it, it's a very what you think you're seeing, you're not really seeing. There are scenes where he, he tells the parents, look, we're locking her in the bathroom. Keep her in the bathroom. I've got to go do something. And he comes back. Somehow the bathroom door is still locked, yet she's in the middle of the living room claiming that God pulled her through the door. The, and you always get the feeling like you're being set up. It, it So it wants to be a bigger film than it is. The other problem it has is... Ever seen one of those movies that doesn't want to be a comedy, yet then it throws in comedic elements? Kind of like Tusk, and it feels like it fits poorly. Mm -hmm. Faults has that going on. He's such a douchebag, and they use it as a comedic element, and it feels off-putting. If they didn't do that, I, I would rate the movie higher. I can recommend so it. House, the TV show? Kind of. It does play off that way, where... It, 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 everything feels loaded. Like, it, like it's a drama, oh shit, there's a joke. And it, and it for some it'll work, for others it won't. I recommend the movie, give it a shot. Again, the ending may not work. For me, it was a two and a half out of five. But not horrible. Mary Elizabeth Winstead's great. Leland Orser, it's great. I just don't know if the story itself really holds up for me. Well, um, I watched... A, uh, sorry, I'm pulling up. No problem. Um, I saw a, a flick called A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. I remember seeing something on that going, that's got to be the single worst title ever. It is a pretty bad title. However, it fits the film. Okay. Um, another supernatural horror element. Uh, basically, there's this... It, it, the setting is meant to be sort of uh, a, a, a depressed town in Iran, uh, Iran or Iraq, I think it was Iran. It's Iran. Um, called Bad City. However, this was actually filmed in California, um, which was, it was interesting. But you could, you could uh, 
you can reconcile that it's supposed to be Iran in this. Just a very run-down, um, run-down town called Bad City. And there's this guy who is dealing with his drug-addicted father who lives, who lives with him, uh, who owes uh, the dealer, the drug dealer, uh, monies and stuff. And so the drug dealer comes and takes the guy's car and this kind of stuff. And so basically he's, he's a decent enough guy, but he's, he's just dealing with all the shit that's around him. Um, and then there's this girl that just sort of uh, shows up in random places and sort of follows people around. And she wears, uh, what they call it a, a shador, a chador or whatever. It's kind of like that, that robe, that mm -hmm. cloaky robe thing that that uh, Muslim women will wear. Not the burqas, but I guess they call it a chador. It's more like a cape. Um, and she, it, it's there's some nice creepy elements to this because she just sort of like shows up and like follows people around. And, and it's not, it's not, that's not. I won't say this segues into our conversation later about the movie we're going to see. I wasn't thinking it that way. Um, and there's a couple... What's interesting about it, this is a very Western-feeling Middle Eastern vibe. So the, the guy sort of has this James Dean look to him, like this 50s muscle car type thing. He drives like this really cool like muscle car. There's a lot of Western music in this and... and, and like electronica and dance type things and normal things and you you can tell that this girl is a vampire but it's like she targets men who are like abusive to women and there's like the pimp in this thing that steals the car and stuff like that she she deals with him hossein the guy's father who's just a, a douchebag drug addled guy who goes after this prostitute and stuff he takes she takes care of him and they sort of sort of form this connection with each other, the kid and, and this girl. Um, but the girl lives this life and you can tell in her little apartment or whatever, uh, wherever she lives that you can tell when she was turned that she was a fan of the eighties. Cause there's like all these eighties music posters, a thriller poster, there's a Madonna posters and stuff like that. Hmm. Um, so it has a very Western element to it. Um, it's shot in black and white, which I think really, really works with the mood. I love the shit out of this movie. It's very deliberate, and this isn't one of those, like, vampire flicks where you're going to just see this chick just go off and, and start eating people left and right. There's, there's very, there's a, a very deliberate thing going on here. I, I really liked it. This one easily is going to end up on my top 25 at the end of the year. Four really? and a half. I give it a four and a half. All right. Well, I guess I'm noting another movie for myself for later. Like I said, if you're, if you're looking for... What's interesting, between what we do in the shadows, which I know is a mockumentary, is, is comedy, and this one here, um, and, and you look at last year's uh, Only Lovers Left Alive, which I don't think you've watched. I yet, haven't. Um, they are... We are finally coming up with vampire movies that defy the the pop culture stuff of the Twilights and the Vampire Diaries and stuff like mm -hmm. that. This here is this here is just good filmmaking, good storytelling. Well, to me, that's a good thing because I've, I've kind of been bummed out. And, 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 and I don't mean this as a slam on Twilight because I get that I'm not the target audience. But I've kind of been bummed out of what happened to the vampire genre because 
I'm still fascinated by the vampire genre. I think you can do some yeah. interesting things with it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's why, like, um, the, uh, the Strain uh, mm-hmm. on FX has, has was a really good shoot. Yeah, it did. Oh, okay. it, it, because it, it gave a creepy element to the vampire genre again. Yeah. And, and anytime they want to give us something new with it, I'm down. For me, a great movie that I don't think enough people have, have seen, I think it's on Netflix right now, from the early 2000s, late 90s, called Shadow of the Vampire. Yeah. And it's the one that's the... A, a mock film about the making of the original Nosferatu film right. with Willem Dafoe. Yeah. If you ha- and you and I have discussed it uh, on our previous version before we were the slice and dice. We discussed this movie. It, it's I. It's such a different take on the vampire genre that mm-hmm. it, it's for some it may not work because it's not the sparkly. There's nothing. It's a very gritty film. But for me, it works because it's a diff- just a fresh take on it. Well, Twilight's not a vampire film; it's a love. It's story. not. It's a it's a love it's story. A love story. It, but again, it, for that target audience, it works. Sure. It, I mean, clearly, it works. It's a billion-dollar franchise. Sure. So, anyway, but yeah. Uh, Girl walks home alone at night. Four and a half. Get by the bad title and go for it. Yeah, like I said, I still I still would prefer if you put side by side only lovers left alive. I think is a better a better film. Um, but there's there's a lot of so you can see where a lot of similarity uh, uh, was pulled, a lot of inspiration was pulled from whatever sources created those two movies. They're they're similar in scope. Right. Um, yeah, good stuff. These are these two movies that I just recommended uh, highly. These are these are those cinephile movies that I would recommend. These are the type of things I would love to see show up on in the big screen around here, but would probably won't. won't. Yep. All right. So, I'll bring up one I know we both have seen. Mm-hmm. And that's Adam Carolla's Road Hard. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, I think you have my seat. How am I? I kind of like the window. You yeah. cool with my staying here? What's the difference, right? Thanks very much, man. Oh, we're, going, we're going to the same place. Dogs? Yeah, I, I love dogs in yards on the ground, you know. That's normally where he likes to be. He doesn't like to be confined. This is yeah. Raffles. He's a service dog. What's the service he provides? He's an anti anxiety dog. Mm hmm. You know, mm-hmm. He helps mm-hmm. you see how he's just calm. You yeah. Know. You just want anyone to fly with your pet, right? No, he's he's certified. He's a he's, working. He's certified. He's, he's a working. Give your doctor $50 and he's certified. You don't even know my dog. I mean, you barely even met. What about my anxiety? I have anxiety about flying with dogs. How about that? I get a service pelican. Hey, once you meet Gilligan, my service pelican. What about when the dog defecates? It's got to defecate at some point, right? What happens when you defecate, sir? I don't shoot me on. Oh, it's like we have a cute little furry traveler with us today. Hi. Hi. So, for people that have been listening to the Corolla, uh, to the Adam Corolla Show podcast, you're very aware of Road Hard. It's the movie that he claimed he's wanted to make. He crowdsourced. And hey, just look at the credits. Did you watch the credits? Oh, I did. And Jesus Christ, they would never my, end. My wife actually commented on that and said, what the fuck's with the credits? I said, he claimed that if you paid a certain amount for crowdsourcing, 
he would put your name in the credits. So he did. You had to have a so magnifying like a, glass to read it. It's true, but like a five-minute scroll <laughs> of names. Just names. Jeez. Um, and, and, and people definitely love Corolla because they, they footed the bill for this movie. And, and I, to a certain extent, I can understand why. It, it, it's Basically, it's a film about a, a comic who's almost trying to reinvigorate his career. And so he knows he's got to go back on the road, but he truly hates being a road comic. Right. He doesn't like the tour traveling. And if you've heard Corolla's show, you've heard this. He, sure. He, he acknowledges that he loves the fans, but hates the travel. Every bit in this movie is something you can... All you have to do is listen to the podcast for a month, and you will hear every bit at right. some point. Including the rants and everything else. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And... and, and I, I don't know if there's any real reason to go into any great detail here, because the fact of the matter is, for the most part, this film does break down to Corolla's rants. Yeah. And and it feels very much that way. Yeah. It, it feels like, if I was angry about something and I decided to write a short story, I'm fairly certain that whatever I'm angry about would somehow find its way in, and this was road hard. Sure. You, you get you get the, the service dog. You, you get... Yeah. The the, the 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 nasty chick with said service dog who doesn't quite get it. Yeah. It, it, you, you, you get, get the, the hotel concierge or desk people that are just making stupid comments you, because it's the rules right. and they don't make it the, 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 the smoking bit. Yeah. yeah. People have, yeah. Uh, I think his comment about people jacking off all over the uh, right. comforter and yet you don't care. But my smoking in the bathroom underneath the vent, I'm paying 250 bucks for. Right. That kind of thing. And and I can, as a Corolla fan, I can appreciate his attitude about a lot of this stuff. Uh, absolutely. I, I'm totally on board with with his opinions on some of these things, but I, I know them. That's the problem. Nothing about this film felt fresh. No. And, and when he finally decided to give something fresh, it didn't work. And that was the, the romance part of it. Yeah, it didn't I that nothing about the romance worked for me no. at all. And I like the chick, but talk about two people that truly were borderline unlikable. Because yep. there were points about her character that were just absolute twattish. Yet right. she somehow they become attached well that's the problem too at, at the end they become attached but there's really no progression of no. this attachment there's no progression of why either one of the, well yeah why either one of these would end up together especially you get the scene where they have a plan he's going back to her place for the night yeah. he go he gets all his shit on the hotel is standing out front and she bails and, she bails and yeah. calls him most dudes that's that's it Done. And then next thing we know, they're happy in love. She appears again, and their relationship... This is one of those scripts that I kind of felt could have stood to have been punched up a little bit. Oh, easily. And And he wrote it, too, right? Yeah, he he and And Kevin Hatch. For for people that aren't familiar with Corolla stuff, they'll probably like the movie a lot. And, and, and yeah, again, parts of it. My wife, the first half, thought it was hilarious. The first half is Corolla's rants. The, yeah. the, 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 like you say, the, the, the concierge, the getting to the hotel room, using your, your 
your swipe yep. card and yep. the key cards never fucking work. And then yep. they blame they find any way they can to blame it on you. Yeah. Corolla wasn't as distracting as I thought it would be, but he's not a good actor by any stretch. No. I it, thought it, he'd be a little bit more distracting than he was, like, oh there's Adam Corolla. And and to a degree that happens, but he's better than I thought he would be, but he isn't good. I also found myself and I don't know if this is as so much as if this may be a statement about where he's at the anger he had towards his ex-wife in this movie was fascinating <laughs> to me yeah. and and as a psych major there's a part of me that goes is there something behind this um no I, I hated the fact that of his big mansion of a house that he can no longer really be in the one piece he's in is the garage, of course, has a woodworking shop, so sure. he can remind people that he can do right. great carpentry bits. Right. Uh, it, Let's just see Allison Rosen still made the cut. Did you catch her? I, I did, as a stewardess. As a stewardess. And, and I will always, always love Allison. I, 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 whatever went down, whatever the true story is... Don't know, don't care. It's probably I'm, something in the middle of what we right. have. Right. So. And, and I completely... Uh, I, where there's smoke, there's fire. And I, I'm, and I have a feeling we have two people that probably were very willful. Mm. And that just didn't... Didn't always see eye to eye. But I, I still love me some Allison. And yeah. I'm sorry, she she looks pretty damn good. Um, uh, but yeah, this I movie, like a two out of five. It, that's exactly where I'm going to land. I, I want to give it a three. I can't oh, even I give can't. it a two, a two point five oh, out of five. Nah. By by half an hour in, I was just I'd had enough. Of Unapologetic this Corolla fanboys will love the shit out of mm-hmm. this. Um, I, I'm a fan of Corolla, but I'm also a fan of movies, and this this just doesn't really work. Have you? Did you happen to listen to his episode where he, he actually asked Atchity? No, I heard about that. What did what did Atchity? Did Atchity? Uh, that's an uncomfortable question. It was it. a very uncomfortable question because uncomfortable was it was Richard Roper gave him a good a good yep. review because he had him on. And when he first asked Atchity to predict what the rating would be, Atchity said a seventy, and Atchity then. I don't kind know what it is. Kind of bailed and said a 50. That's better than I even thought it would Actually, kind of then gave what could be a backhanded compliment or seen it just the opposite by saying, even though I run Rotten Tomatoes, I'm awful at giving predictions on what these things will get. Now it's hanging at a 50, and when he had Actually on again, it was a very uncomfortable. Basically, Corolla's blaming... All the people who disagree with his political stances and the fact that he sat in for for O'Reilly as being the problem that people can't get over it. Oh, when I, won't, I, won't, I won't. I won't. I won't argue that there's going to be this some going people to be that backlash this stuff. But you got a fifty because you made a shitty movie, dude. right? <laughs> it's not the movie you thought it was, right? And the fact of the matter is, just because all of your employees were saying how amazing a film it was. That doesn't count. Yeah, really. What's Dawson going to come up? Oh, what a piece of right. shit your movie Gina is. Gina Grad, who's still happy that three months later she's sitting in that seat, is going to tell you it's a great film. It, it's it's not. It, it's, it's 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 fine. Right. It's it's benign. It, like I said, if you're a Corolla fanboy, unapologetic Corolla, fa- Corolla fanboy, 
you'll probably enjoy yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't hate it. No. But I can't endorse it either because it's just, it's just not good. And I was very ready for that film to end. Oh, certainly. When that thing ended, it felt like it had been through a three-hour marathon or something. Sure. So anyway, sorry, Adam, well, but a two. Yeah. So we'll pause once again here. We'll come back to a movie that we're... Uh, this discussion is 30 years in the making. We'll do it. So, 30 years ago, I got my first pew. Good for you. I'm still waiting. Yeah, well, um, it'll come, buddy. It'll come. Right. Some of us are just late bloomers. <laughs> uh, the Breakfast Club. Five kids went to detention on a Saturday. Who goes to detention on a Saturday? Um, at Shermer High School. Yes, they did. 30 fucking years ago, dude. 30 years ago, you could argue we got one of the truly greatest films about being a teenager. Certainly the 1980s teenage years. Oh, I think it, it, I think it, this is a movie that that's messages and themes is timeless. Yeah, it, it, it captures... The topics may be different, but it, absolutely... It's timeless. It captures high school. Yeah. It captures the cliques that we all remember in high school. Yeah. And how whatever clique you, you fall within, that is what you're branded as. Right. And there are rules that you have to live by Monday through Friday when you are in those cliques. Certainly. And, and it also shows that judging people by those cliques can be problematic. Even though even they acknowledge that on Monday, things will be back to being what they were. 
And yeah, you know, of all the movies out there, I'm surprised this is one that didn't get. We don't know. We we still here can only speculate what happened Monday morning. I think everything went back to normal the way they was. I, I I would think the way the film ended, we were set up for the fact that come Monday morning, the clicks are still the clicks. And people, if you're the nerd, you'll be that way. If you're the athlete, you'll be that way. Well, the jock, I think. Even though the movie ends with, you could say, budding relationships. It does. I think think it does remain the same. I think there's, I think there's maybe a, you know, parting glances or second glances at people and stuff like, like, we understand each other, but we just can't. Be a part of each other. Mm. I think that that exists. I think that's what happened Monday morning. I, I would agree. Come Monday morning, there will always be that divide, and it's not necessarily that you can't see eye to eye. It's that your friends within the clique will never tolerate. Yeah, so, yeah. It, well, there's that, and it's just not worth that battle no. at, at that point in, in your high school life. Is it really worth that battle? No, high school life is difficult enough as it is. You sure. don't need to bet. You, you don't need to battle people within your own clique to cross over with people that aren't in it. Right. And, and it, yeah, that film was such a statement about how tough high school life really is. Well, what's interesting is, and there are critics of this movie, and one of the how oh there are there's critics of everything. It doesn't matter. There's critics of kittens for fuck's sake. Um, well, they are assholes. Well, they can be. They scratch the shit out of everything. Um, a, a lot of these critics seem to... They, they, they say it's basically just five kids spending time in a library, being destructive, and blaming their parents for everything that, that, that they're going through. And I would say they're right. And that's the point. Because... Even though the parents of these kids combined have about a minute of screen time in this movie, look at the very beginning of this movie and you can see everything that plays out in the next two hours is set up by that one scene of when they get dropped off at school in the day. Okay, You have, you have Claire who pulls up in, in the parents in the, the BMW. You have Andrew who pulls up, and you can tell the father is just, just hardcore jock, win, 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 win. The, the, Brian's mom tells him, you find a way to study, mister, that kind of thing. Allison just jumps out of the car. She's just a spaz. Mm-hmm. And Bender has no parent that gives a shit about him whatsoever, and he just walks to school by himself. And that is what sets up everything that these kids are feeling over the course of the, of the next two hours. Yeah. It, it, it definitely... So it is about them bitching about their parents, but they're valid. These are well, valid that's the arguments. It's it's that's the reality of the whole nature nurture thing, though. It is there is a certain amount of of people gravitate towards certain things, but also the way you are raised is going to be everything. It, Towards what you are and what you become, and the way you see things. If if you have a a parent who dotes on you, then then you're not going to be able to handle being out and about on your own. You're you're going to expect certain things being handed to you, and it's just the way it is. So I don't have any 
issue whatsoever with them, but with it being part of their background, because it sure. would be that way. Sure. I mean, if you have a parent that expects a certain amount of drive out of you, the whole athlete dad, then that's the way you're going to be. It's right. all you know. It's the way you judge things. And right or wrong, right down to if you become an asshole from it, it's what you know. Right. And you don't necessarily see it as being an asshole. You don't, but one of the interesting things I think about these characters in The Breakfast Club is they're very self-aware of Certainly. who they are and, and what the perception of them is. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 they they take this, Hughes takes this, In there are some very intense sequences in the film of dialogue and stuff that is just way edgier in, in, in themes than, than what you're used to in, like, essentially, essentially a comedy. Um, you know, with, with... It is funny to think that that movie is considered a comedy. And it, it, it is, but... But the comedy pieces, I think, are there. They're in place to sort of break you away from lighten some the of the... Mood. Lighten the mood a little bit. Yeah. Sure. It, Nothing like a, an 80s uh, pot-induced dance sequence to get you going. Right. I'm not sure people react that way on pot, but I, I don't know. No, I, I think, think they just get paranoid. Yeah. Much, but <laughs> if this is me who um, owns up to the fact that I've never tried and never cared. There's so. a lot of pieces of this <laughs> flick that you're, you've got to like set your, you know, set aside any preconceived notions that, the, that this really could happen this way. Just how Vernon doesn't hear the music cranking and the window breaking and all this kind of stuff. But um, these kids are very self-aware of how they got to this place. Um, and, and, and yeah, they are bitching about their parents because that is how they got to this mm-hmm. place. Here's Andrew, who is who's in here. So, some of the things these kids did, did today would get you suspended or arrested. He, he, you see about, like, today with this, this big, uh, this big, all the talk about bullying and stuff. And the definition of how bullying from back then to today has morphed and what your opinion of that is aside, what he did is absolutely physical bullying. By no question. By (laughs) dropping some dude's trow and taping his ass together and stuff like that and Basically, it's peeling off skin. And what an incredibly deep scene that Estevez has there in talking about, it's like him thinking about how his dad would be proud that he was that he was this, the, the man, the alpha male and stuff like that. But then he's talking about, well, what about that kid's dad? Mm-hmm. And what would he have thought? Do you guys know what, uh, what I did to get in here? I taped Larry Lester's buns together. <laughs> That was you? Yeah, you know? Yeah, I know. Well, they know how hairy it is, right? Well, when they pulled the tape off, most of his hair came off and some, some skin, too. Oh, my God. And the bizarre thing is, is I did it for my old man. I tortured this poor kid because I wanted him to think that I was cool. He's always going off about, you know, when he was in school, all the wild things he used to do. And I got the feeling that he was disappointed that I never cut loose on anyone, right? So I'm, I'm sitting in the locker room, 
then I'm taping up my knee. And Larry's undressing a couple lockers down from me. And he's kind of, he's kind of skinny, weak. And I started thinking about my father and his attitude about, about weakness. And the next thing I knew, I, I jumped on top of him and, and started wailing on him. And my friends, they just laughed and cheered me on. And afterwards, when I was sitting in, in, in Vern's office, all I could think about was Larry's father and Larry having to go home and, and explain what happened. And I think, I think things like that are, are just, that, those are like, that's some deep shit right there. It is, and it really needs to be part of the conversation. Absolutely. I, it, it, that, it, and unfortunately, for I mean, if you're looking at the bullying issue, the, the, the victims, maybe we've overdone it now because the, the victim is looked at too much and not the root cause. But when you going back to the, in terms of the movie, yeah, it's he was raised in, in in such a competitive nature that it is an alpha male situation. It's all he survival knows. of the fittest, pick on the weak, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. To, it, to it, prove it, to prove your worth to your your pack of alpha males, do this, and and who cares? You're, you're preying on the weak, right? It, and and if if that kid wants to fight back, more is the better. Because the fact of the matter is, then you can just beat them down anyway. But bullies don't pick on people who can fight back. There's that because they don't too. want they don't want to risk the fact that they will end up losing said fight. Right. Bully, yeah. Bullies, bullies don't pick on their own. They don't pick on people bigger than them. No. Um, and then you look at uh, Brian, who brings a flare gun to school with intentions of killing himself because he got. A B? Or, a, a, or not an A? I don't remember if it was a B or... A, a, did they actually say the grade? I, thought, I, I don't know. Uh, whatever. But, it doesn't, he, but he was the one raised that he's got to be high honors high all the honors, time. All the you, time. You, you're no not room. physically fit, but right. you are mentally fit. And that's going to be your golden ticket. Yeah. So to, to not... So that's, that's another dark path those things go down. If this flare gun doesn't go off in the locker... To get him this detention. And, and what? Who brings a flare gun to school, has it go off, and gets detention today? Oh, no. You're expelled. If, if you're even fortunate enough to get this thing in without being caught to begin with, yeah, you're immediately expelled, if not if not arrested. Right. Um, but it just goes off. And, and, you know, in 1985, um, yeah, it's just, yeah, detention. But he was going to kill himself with mm -hmm. it because he couldn't handle the stress of not having that A. Right, because he knew that he let his parents down and would have to go and deal with that aspect. Mm -hmm. and, and and it's not just that. It's that if you've been raised in that kind of mindset, it's, well, that's failure. Because the schools that you'd be accepted in won't accept you because you have a B. All of a sudden, MIT or Worcester Polytech becomes... 
less likely it's right. going to be community college for you because you got to be. Right. And that's kind of the way they shape Which his is character. Bullshit, is but everything that's... that he was going to become and, and be for his next 50 years of life was blown to hell because he got the beat. Right. Um, and then the other the other characters in there. I mean, some of the themes around Bender, who, you know, Bender's trying to play off this... Probably this, the most memorable character yeah, for a lot of people. Sir, but he, this, he, this badass who, who, who comes off as he doesn't care about nothing, he doesn't answer, nothing like that. This guy's the most needy of all of them. He wants so badly to be... That's a great point. <laughs> Brian, or the... He, but but we know his home life isn't. Yeah, he just wants. Nobody to, cares about uh, him. Exactly. He he wants to matter to somebody. Mm-hmm. The problem is he doesn't matter to anybody. He's got parents that are so totally disconnected that his existence is whatever he makes of it. Right. Period. Right. And so he wanted this Saturday. He's kind of allowed to live vicariously through the other people. Sort to of, a certain extent. To a certain extent. And, and, and share at least a moment because he knows he's going back to a home life that absolutely sucks. Right. Um, then you have Allison, the basket case. Probably my favorite character. I, yeah, I'm, I'm right up there. Um, and, 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 I mean, I, honestly, for me, and I don't know why for me this is the most vivid scene, but I'll, I'll, I'll never forget seeing that the first time I saw the scene where she... Has her little uh, picture she's looking at, and she's scratching her head in the diary. Uh, the diary. The, the uh, dandruff is coming down like like snow, like some great touch on the photo. But right. this is just the kind of quirky character she is. Yeah. And, and, and she's the well. Honestly, earlier we referenced the Carrie character. She's the Carrie character. She's the one that people look at and go, "I don't know what the fuck's up with that person." So we'll just avoid her at all costs. She dresses different. She acts different. She's in her own world. Entirely. But what's interesting is during she has some of the most memorable pieces towards the end of this when Claire gives her the makeover, and a lot of people, a lot of people claim that her character sells out at that point when she gets the makeover um, to pretty herself up for the boy. And I, I can see the argument. I can't. Because now, here's a character that was kind of her own thing, awkward, socially awkward, but her own thing, and now has basically conformed to the stereotype of what the jock would date. But here's where I'd argue that, is as a person who's prone to, I won't say looking like shit. But I'd much rather just wear a, a t-shirt with something on it and blue jeans than anything else. Still, if you have that moment where you put on the three-piece suit and the tie, as uncomfortable as it is, most people have that moment where they go, actually, I kind of feel a little prouder because I look good. Mm-hmm. And and why they why you can't acknowledge that fact that sometimes dressing up, even though it's uncomfortable, making yourself look better... Makes you feel better about yourself. Oh no, I, it, I, I absolutely agree with that. But how it, about what, how, what does it say about Andrew that he wouldn't have thought twice about her to begin with until she made herself look that way? Now all of a sudden, he's interested. It, that's more of an '80s trope, though. It, Is it? 
that goes back to the the take off the glasses, shake out the pigtails, and all of a sudden, wow. But I, I would also say that I think most dudes, if you have this chick who's always wearing the, the black shit and always covering herself up, and we'll, we'll use more emo makeup, gothed out, and then you all of a sudden you wash it off and, and you do the hair up and you put her in the, the skirt and the heels, I think most guys would go, wow, okay, where'd this come from? It's it's as much about human nature and, I, I, for lack of a better way to put it, animal magnetism. We're still attracted to what looks better. And the look she had early on didn't look better on her. Now, whether... But if people say she sells out, again, we don't know what she looks like come Monday morning. Now, if Monday morning right. she goes in wearing all the makeup and all dolled up, okay, you can argue sold out. If all of a sudden she's back to being her 80s version of goth self, she hasn't sold out. She just tried to look good at that moment and realized that, wow, if I do this, I get the attention of the boy. You can't really knock somebody for saying that by getting attention, it made them feel good. Uh, how about Principal Vernon in this? I've always loved Principal Vernon. I think, it's Actually, a, I think he he's died a, great, a couple years he ago, did. too, didn't he? Paul Gleason. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think he was a Best great the character. Get the horns, buddy. That's right. I think, I think yeah, he was a, a fantastic character as, as one of the only two adults that you really get any kind of play in this thing. Yeah, him and the janitor, right? Him and the janitor, Carl. And, and the janitor always had the line, which I've always hung on to about knowing all your secrets, the whole... The, the, was it the notes you throw away or whatever? Yep. And, and I've always the eyes and ears of this institution. I've, I've always thought that about people where they shit on janitors. Like you don't understand; these people know all of your dirty secrets. Well, what's interesting? I I, I heard this. I heard uh, I was listening to Film Spotting because they were doing something on the 30th anniversary, and they they had some bits from an interview with the guy who plays Carl the janitor, whose name I can't remember, but. Um, and he was talking about, you know, in the movie when he goes, uh, by the way, that clock's 20 minutes uh, fast. The, leading into that line was this, just apparently this monologue about him calling out each one about how, uh, you know, you know, Claire, in, in, in 20 years you're going to be, uh, you know, on painkillers and such and such. So basically... Basically outlining to each one of them what road they're headed down. So to basically, yeah, basically is. get yeah. out of your own way or this is where you end up. And then he finishes that after he like, it's basically that line of, by the way, that clock is 20 minutes fast. is basically his drop the mic moment after he goes off on them. That's awesome. And, though. Yeah. And I wish, I wish they had left that, that That's the there. whole look. You, you are living the stereotype. And yeah. if you are living the stereotype now, then 20 years from now, here's where you're going to be. But then there's Carl, who, who is a stereotype himself. And he, he is the voice of reason because he is that. Because mm -hmm. if you remember at the very beginning, Carl went to this school. Yep. There's a picture of Carl. In the in like the in one of the trophy cases or whatever like that, and here he is twenty twenty thirty years down the road, and he's the janitor of the school. Yeah, and here he is working on a Saturday as a janitor. He is the eyes and the ears, and he is the voice of reason, he's the voice of wisdom. Here he's like, so he's justified in saying, "This is where you're going. This is where you're going," because I know, mm -hmm. which I think is cool. He's lived the life, and and he he even he's like the Jiminy Cricket of the story, because even when he hit him in, in the. Uh, 
in the file, in the file camps when Vernon's going through the files, like which I'm pretty sure isn't allowed, but no. at least today. Well, now it'd be all digital anyway. And he's, it, yeah, it, he's basically telling him too that, like, I, you know, I think you do want these kids to like you. I think you need that level of acceptance, mm-hmm. and I think that's the same thing with Vernon. You could argue that Vernon is just as caged and 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 punished in this movie as these kids are. He's got to give up a Saturday to sit there. He even says that. He makes the comment that be, be, because of what they've done, this is his Saturday. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, he even though you've he's hit the level he is, he's still trapped on a Saturday watching over these kids. Making who, his $36,000 a year or whatever it is. And, and, and when it comes down to it, these kids are going to be doing whatever life they have now, 20 years from now, they're going to be following that exact same track. Yeah. And then there's that ending. The, probably the most iconic ending of the 80s. And I love the beginning, too, because I love when I, when I mentioned, just jumping back a little, when I said how self-aware these are, that David Bowie quote there um, from uh, Changes, and it basically is, they put the quote up there, and it's like, um, you know, these, uh, these children that you spit on, they're quite aware of what they're going through. It's, it's exactly what is happening in this movie. They are aware of what they're going through, and society spits on them for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even though society created just this yeah. mess. That they are everything they've been programmed to be, and yet then society gets angry for them being so. Right. And then at the the end there, when, when I mean, come on, Simple Minds, Bender, Arm Up, the just the essay alone... From Brian. Yeah, well... And, and it's, it's iconic. It is, and it's also fitting. Because, again, that follows the character track. Because here we have his, his like I say, his essay that's... Him speaking on what the others couldn't put to paper and word. That what they are is everything that they were created to be. And what they're going to continue being because that's what they're and expected to be. you will see be. us as you see us. Right. And, and that won't change no matter how much they try to show themselves as something else. The fact of the matter is people put them on this track... Their families put them on this track, and that's where they're going to be. Oh, and on come Monday morning, when the clicks all form up again, they're going to fall back within it. Right. So that's that's why they I believe... That's your, right. that's your only it's, means it's, of survival. It, that's the way to put it. It's, it's the only way you can exist in high school, is with the click. It's, right. it's, it is your entire support system. Yep. Great, great flick. Uh, certainly one of my top five of all time. I would not argue that whatsoever. It, it's fantastic. <laughs> and, and if people are, are shitting on it, they truly aren't seeing it from the right lens. It, it is timeless. Yeah. All right. So we'll pause here one last time, and we will jump 30 years into the future to current day and talk about the new horror film, It Follows. We used to daydream about being old enough to go on dates. I had this image of myself holding hands with a really cute guy. Just having some sort of freedom, I guess. Jane, I'm sorry. No. You're not going to believe me, and I need you to remember what I'm saying. This thing. 
gonna follow you. Somebody gave it to me, and I passed it to you. Wherever you are, it's somewhere walking straight for you. All you can do is pass it along to someone else. What exactly is supposed to be following you? I don't know. Just pass it along. You believe me, right? Nothing's gonna happen. See? Everything's okay. So we have seen It Follows. We have. That has finally managed to get a wider release and find its way to the the great state of Maine. I find it fascinating how this one has played out. Not not going into the movie yet, but It Follows had been announced to have a VOD release, what, last week? And when all of a sudden in four theaters this thing pulled over well over $100,000, they realized... Let's hold off on the VOD and instead give it a wider release yeah. for public viewing outside of VOD. And, and it, it, it apparently it's getting plenty of buzz. People are excited by it. Yeah, um, certainly. Um, and, and I think it's a credit to that. There seems to be there seems to be a little bit of a shift in the horror genre in general in in, in the last few years. I mean, you have things like the Babadook. Mm-hmm. Um, even 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 things that you don't necessarily align completely with horror, like Only Lovers Left Alive and things like that, and and the movies that I mentioned earlier, Spring and stuff, they're horror in that there's supernatural elements about them, but they're not necessarily jump out at you, scare you type of horror, like the Insidiouses and the Sinisters and things like that, which they have their place. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but oh. th- those are more. Those are more your mainstream jump scare type horrors. Uh, it follows. Um, for me, uh, I enjoyed this movie quite a bit. So did I. Um, and I think every time it could have taken the easy, cheap way out, it didn't. And I think that's why I appreciate it. This is this is a much smarter horror than. The cheap shit that we're used yeah, to. It, what this movie plays on is the idea of being hopeless. That that the situation you're put in, even though there are answers to it, truly aren't answers. Because eventually it could play back right into you. And so, you, the, the idea that it posits is that there's this supernatural entity, I guess. That, it, feels like, it feels like some sort of demon. Yeah, that's that's transmitted at, at almost like a sexual disease. So, if you're the one, last one with it, it comes to you, you to kill you. At a 
slow pace, but it will find you. Mm-hmm. And when it does, it'll kill you. Unfortunately, if it kills you, then it goes to the person that gave it to you. And on down the line until it destroys everybody. So it truly is a hopeless situation. You you could try to picture, well, alright, so you go into a whorehouse and bang everything you can. Right, but it's only going to pass to that very first person from you. And that first person, that person gets with. Eventually, it's going to come back. Getting this is truly a curse. There is no escape. Right. So it's this movie to me is more less about the creature itself, more about coming to grips with the fact that you've been given something that there is no escaping from. It is truly a death sentence. It's just a matter of when. Right, and we'll get into that in a little bit too with uh, with why. In the movie, a couple of times, why you would want to put yourself in that position, as a couple of the, the guys in this movie do. Um, but let's look at this first from just a horror perspective. It It is not filled with cheap jump scares. I think there's maybe two instances where there there is just a, a quick jump thing, but it's not done in some sort of cheap, no, I, I was... cheap way. And quite frankly, whatever that tall fucker was, oh, was a dude. whole shitload of hell no. <laughs> right. Uh, I don't know who they cast, oh, who that dude was. That was all but, sorts but of the, fucked the up. The first scene where, where... In the house? Was it his buddy Paul? Was it Paul or was it the, it was the, the girl. younger sister? The kind of the glass girl. That wasn't the sister, it was just a friend. Okay. Opens the door and then the tall guy and comes in after Hell no. Holy fuck. <laughs> Hell and, and, no! <laughs> I, I I found myself obsessed with their choices of who these these beings were that followed. Yeah, like you said, in most cases it wasn't anybody that they even knew. No, it was just something. Yeah. It was an aspect that worked for that situation. Yeah, it, it, if they were on the college, it was just random college looking person or old or lady. old lady just. Wandering. Yeah, it looked like one of the dudes was was her father, because they showed a picture of the family later, and it seemed like it was the father. I think I think the one that was throwing the stuff in, in the, the pool. In the pool. Yeah. Um, which I had a little problem with that. I'm like, well, why didn't that work? But <laughs> all right, whatever. Um, I, I can actually answer why that didn't work. Well, but... Did he keep pulling the plugs out as he was throwing it? Well, the thing Would that is... matter. Does it just electronic? They have to be plugged in to... Yes. And and the other pieces, the way they were wiring them, and this is getting way too nerdy, is they were putting them in power strips first. Power strips have a reset switch that trips in case it gets overloaded. So as soon as it hits water, that would trip out and shut the power off. So it it was a good idea in theory, but it wouldn't work. Um, So as a horror horror (laughs) film... it, it's not. It's not one of these like edge of your seat scary because you're waiting for no. something to jump to you. But it's it's unnerving throughout. It, it's because the whole time these people know it's there. Right. You as a viewer knows <laughs> it's hanging out there. Right. And that they at no point do they say it's constant. 
that at some point this being will appear. Right. You the farther the you go, right, the farther you go away. Because all it does is walk. Right. It doesn't just poof, pop up in places. It's just following you. It knows where you are. You are the homing beacon. Mm-hmm. And if you're a mile away, it's going to be here soon. If you're 10 miles away, it's going to be a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. And that's why they keep driving away from it to, to buy themselves more time. I also like the fact that these characters weren't stupid. Oh no! At no point did they feel stupid. No, exactly. It, they didn't it wasn't like any of those fucking tropes no. of typical horror movies. They even the ones that didn't buy into it were still trying to help. Right. What's her name? Jay. Jay. We're, we're trying to give her. We're, we're trying to understand what she's dealing with right. and give her ways to deal with it. Yes. They were willing to accept, look, we care about this person. Let's not just go hide in the shed with one way in and out. Right. Let's and try to find something. Let's get her away because whatever is getting to her is getting to her, even if it's psychological. I was very happy to see that, yeah, that these characters weren't stupid. Hmm? And, and, and you've already acknowledged the fact Jump scares, I don't think they played into the jump scare. Thing. No, they did. I mean, like they said, there was a couple. I mean, there was the, the kickball hitting up against the window there real briefly. But that said, that still ended up being a creepy scene because it started leading into the fact that was it the creature? In this case, it was per boy. Right. Apparently. But they, 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 they set up the fact that this thing will still kind of let you know it's coming, too. If it's got to get in, it'll break windows to get mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. So you'll you'll have your warning. And, and when she gets the speech early on by, I think he called himself, was it Noah at first? The boy that gave it to Jay? Uh, no, it wasn't Noah, but yeah. And it turns out to not be his name, but he... he oh, owns maybe a, that was his original name. Yeah, what was it after? It was Jeff or something. Yes. But he owns up to the fact that, look... Once you get this, you'll never go into a room that only has one way in and out. You'll always be looking at everything. Am I? Yeah. How can I get out of here? Yeah. And it 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 added such. This is one of those horror movies that added an element for the viewer that it put you in the the movie. It made you feel every concern that Jay was feeling at any given moment. How the fuck would you survive such a thing? Do you get on a boat? Right. Can can the creature can can the thing swim out to the boat? Right. Which they even address kind of, and we don't really know how that yeah, even there's turned a couple, out. There's so there's definitely a few things here that was left ambiguous. Which I to, loved. I, I, I did too. The way they every did. question answered. Like, did Paul sleep with the whore to pass it yeah. on after? We don't really know. Did Jay swim out to the boat and get with those three guys? Right. She stripped down in such a did, way that she was offering herself. Uh, I think his name was Greg. He was hooking up, or he, he didn't with, hook up, we know, with, with the girl in the mall, the yep. food court there. The, we, we don't they know. They burgers together. Yeah. And they did this all intentionally to say, look, you can put this out, but it's still going to work its way back. Right. Once you've got it, you're never safe. Right. It, yeah. It. I hadn't seen a movie play out like this, I don't think, ever. And I would stop short of calling it just flat out horror. It, it, it's a creepy film, but this to me feels more, I would argue, this almost feels almost Hitchcockian kind of thriller element, where 
what the hell do you do? Or some very adult episode of Twilight Zone where it one. It, how do you answer the question? It's a riddle with no answer. Can we talk for a second about the old school soundtrack? Which was just very Halloween. I want, meets, oh, I want awesome. to address a lot about that. Because the so way they awesome. shot it, did you get a Haddonfield feel about the town? The way they shot 8 Mile. They, even the freaking station wagon they were driving around in felt like Haddonfield. Dude. Well, what, what I enjoyed about too, because uh, Only Lovers Left Alive is also shot in Detroit. And a lot of it, a lot of the ambiance is just that, that run-down, abandoned Detroit. And they again in this movie here they just they, oh, they do so much. I kept telling myself Haddonfield has fallen yeah. on bad times because yeah. the way they showed the house, I'm like, it's very Haddonfield. This these are people that loved the original Halloween, but there's something else going on here. And when they said it was basically eight mile ish, yeah, I got it. I'm like, okay, that works. But still, I think they chose certain looks and sounds to make it feel like. Halloween. Uh, and I love the fact you brought it up because I, I, I plenty of notes and just the just those those notes. There was just, a note that literally, when you heard it, you're like, the speaker sounds like it's yeah. cracked. It was yeah. intentional. It was the, 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 the it would vibrate like there was a blown uh, level of uh, of the speaker itself. Yep. Yeah, uh, great touch. Just old school touch. And there were certain shots where they're driving down the road with the they mm-hmm. driving through the town with the trees hanging over. I'm like this is very happy. I wanted to bring that up too. There was and it, I, I don't know what it was. I'm gonna have to see it again to see it. It may not have been anything, but there was a lot of references to the trees. A lot of times, Dude. Her, she's just looking up. The four or five shots of the movie, just looking up into it the It started trees. with her in the pool the first time. Yep. Every time she runs out of her house and stuff, she drives, she goes into, like, the park. Right. The trees. The, when Early she's playing she's, with the, the, little, the little grass the things. The grass on her t- What was that about? There's so many things about this that... I think that there's a, there's a larger story around here that was intentionally left out that we just don't know mm-hmm. about. And hopefully this is going to... As much as I hate sequels, because I think that this is going to be a real great standalone, I want to know more about what they're thinking. So do I. And, and, I, and I agree with you. This is this is one of those double-edged swords where I think they really got it right. And it, it, this was a fantastic... This was, this was the movie I was hoping I'd see. Um, and I had no idea what I was going to see. Oh, no. I, I, and I had seen that opening shot, because it was online and stuff. Just the very beginning when she runs out of the house. But talk about a great opening shot, dude. Oh, yeah. I mean, just the, the way she played it out, Annie, I'm going to love Annie till my dying day. That was a freaking creepy shot. If you knew nothing about this movie, Annie. What are you talking about? That was the name of the opening. The, the girl in the, the first shot, shot, running yeah. around the heels, and the, the yep. and her dad looking at her, where she's clearly in like almost bedroom dress, sure, but just flipping out, and, and then finding this spot where she just comes to grips with the fact that I can't run anymore, right? And calling her mom and dad, saying, "Look, I know I've been awful. There's times I haven't been right to you. Yep. Just know I love you." And then next shot is her. All kinds of fucked up. Yep. Legs snapped in the wrong direction. And, and that's the only gore in this thing. The, yeah, the, the, this is not a gory movie in any way. No, not gory. Arguably not all that scary from a... 
No. It, like a jump in your seat type it, Here's of the deal. This is one of those movies that I think that if you if you get a whole bunch of... It, I, I don't mean to sound degrading. If you get a whole bunch of teenage girls together, this is the kind of movies that creep the fuck out of them. Because they'll feed well, off each other's did you, emotions. Did you surprise at the amount of just women were coming into the theater? Did you notice that? We were outnumbered. Men were outnumbered so. in that movie. I think so. Which but, was very like, interesting. A couple of women, in, in, solo, individual were coming in. A couple pairs of women were coming in. There was, there there was, was a line that, I'll call him Noah, it's probably the wrong name, when they, when they find him in his real house, and they're all huddled up, and he looks at her and says, he looks at Jane and says, it's easier for you as a girl, because you can find somebody to give yeah, it to. Yeah. And there was a girl in the audience who chuckled about it. And I don't know if you caught that. That it 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 even plays sure. the trope that if you have a girl that's easy, there are guys out there that are going to take a woman up on it. Of course. But if you have a guy that's easy, that doesn't necessarily play out the same. No, attractive girl can go get it wherever Ever she wants. She wants. To get it. And and I kept finding myself thinking the whole time. Well, why doesn't she just? But then you go because do the math. If she goes, even if she gets with the three dudes on the boat. The first one's the one who's going to get it. And then when the dude, when the creature gets him, then it's just going to work its way back to her anyway. Right. So it's not like you can add that many layers. Which is interesting. When you, you have the two guys in this movie, Greg and Paul, mm-hmm. who both agree to take this from her. Take this burden, the immediate burden yep. from her. Even though Greg doesn't even truly acknowledge yeah, it exists. Right, he doesn't... Yeah. There's a part of him that plays it out like, I kind of always wanted to get with her anyway. Right. And, and that's, I guess that's the point. Do you see that more as, for each of these guys, more as them wanting to help her or them just succumbing to their male instincts. I think it's more male a, instincts. She's an attractive with, girl. I, even with Paul, I think it's more with male instincts because it, there was the great scene early on where she, when she first believes she's gone. And it. I love the fact that she's not willing to just give it to them. Oh yeah, no. They, they don't play Amy as just some, well, fuck you then kind of character. What the, the, what the fuck? Jay. Yeah. <laughs> They don't play her as being that kind of character. They 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 actually play her like she has a conscience, like like she she got with dude and it's backfired on her. And like I said, this is what makes it. Uh, these characters are a lot more smart than just your typical, mm-hmm. you know, slasher fit horror chicks and, I, and, and characters. I, with Paul, I believe that there was a certain amount of care to it. I, Even though... I, I think there was a longing there for that. They did acknowledge that... Uh, was it that they, they, I started referencing the scene where she shows up at the, the yogurt shop where Paul and her sister, Kelly? Yep. Were, were working. And Kelly makes comment, well, Paul will hump your leg if he gets a chance. Acknowledging that this is the hot older sister that all the guys want anyway, and Paul well, you, has you, been just nosing his way around us, hoping to get with you anyway. You can tell Paul has had a, a longing for oh, yeah. for her all along, well, but dude, he's too nice of a guy. But just, let's be honest, teenage boy, you have three shit. teenage girls all living in the same roof, what guy can hang around that house, if at all possible? Sure. Um... But the the other dude, Glenn, Greg, whatever his name is, yeah, I, I didn't feel quite as much like this was heartfelt. This was, 
All right, I'm going to take advantage of this because they even he didn't see the bits he that happened. Like a decent enough guy, though. He did, but all the events that happened on the beach when all of a sudden the others started believing it, the hair he was pulled, off a piss, the, he so. was taking a piss. He didn't see any of it. All he saw was her firing the gun wildly, which is interesting because because it feels like even though the people who aren't being followed, they can't they can't see it. But, but obviously it's, it's in existence. When he hits him with the chair, mm-hmm. it hits something. There's something three-dimensional there. They just can't see it. The, the scene with the sheet in the end where they toss the sheet over and all of a sudden go, okay, there's something standing So there. how do you... So if it's there, how do you, how do you not kill it? Because there's a couple instances, and I didn't really understand the whole... How he shot it in the pool and the big... The big I didn't get I didn't, that I didn't get what that and was all me, about. This, to a certain extent, felt like we don't know how to end this movie. And there were there, there were a couple times, things I have to come to grips with. The, the fact that I don't know if they knew how to end this movie. And the final shot, where they showed Paul and her walking hand in hand, and there was what? something following yeah, behind I don't it. know if that was following them because it was that. Or, right. or, or just random person. Right. You don't know. Because they the, played that off once there with the girl that was walking by. Said, Does anybody see that girl? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we all do. And it's just some which was cocker cool. girl, right, right? Which was a cool touch. I, I, I was the things when you look at these types of movies, you can always you're always like, like, well, why the hell aren't you this or why the hell aren't you that? And she was always just looking in front of her, never behind her. And right. I'm like, I'd be looking everywhere. Well, in the scene again, all where they're on that beach and that that house that they retreated to was a great because they kept panning her, and you could see the girl walking in the background going. Who the fuck is this girl? And, and why are you not looking behind you? Right. At, at no point do you stop being 360 here. You are aware of everything. Even though... I also think I'm hopping a plane and I'm getting across an ocean. I literally found myself thinking, this is where I get a houseboat. And I just live out in the middle of the water. Yeah. And, until I just run out of food or just live off the ocean for the rest of my life. You have no choice. Right. It isn't going to be able to find its way out that way. It may try. You would think. But we don't know what this is. We don't know if it can exist underwater or it can walk well, and, and or just keep going. That, that's the, that also played really well into it was the question mark as to exactly what this is. We don't know what its powers are. Right. We, we don't know what drives it. All we know is it's just transferred to whoever you fuck last. Mm-hmm. Period. And, and, and I love, again, I love the question mark of it. I love not knowing. I love the fact that they didn't have some big cheesy reveal as, oh, we, we went to the library and found it's this person. No, it, there's none of, there's no explanation for any of it, and I'm good with it. Yeah. It, it didn't Oddly need that. enough, right. It didn't need It adds to the creepy element. It, it's existed. Unfortunately, those that haven't know it exists. They just have to deal with it. Yeah. And, and and there were times also, and I don't know about you, but like they cut to a shot of Kelly. When, no, it wasn't Kelly. The sister was Kelly. The the sister that, was it Kelly, the sister that got shot in the leg? No. I didn't take that as a sister, though. I didn't, because she lived in the house. Well, she was in the house the whole time, just the same as Paul was. I thought they were just friends. I okay. thought Paul and the other girl were just friends. And, and you're probably right, because I think all the family photos only showed two girls. Yeah, I, I think they were just friends. Okay, well... I don't remember what her name was. Yeah, there was the... When she was in the hospital bed... The one and I kept found reading my, shit on her compact. Right. And I kept finding myself thinking, how jealous would you be of this girl? 
she knows that she has not been in any situation where she's at any risk. So she's able to sit here and just read her book. Well, whatever it is, is following this poor girl the whole time. And, and it, it, to me, things like that was such a great touch that it, it shows that the, these whoever the victims are can really can't ever escape it. They can't sleep. They can't just take a break from it. It's always there. Right. Thus, when they they got to Noah or whatever house that he'd rented. The fact that he set up so he, nobody could see anybody, the little holes that he could peek out of mm-hmm. the newspapers just so he could watch whatever was coming at him. Is there a metaphor at play here for... There's many metaphors. That the you, family you life. You can't escape your mistakes or you can't escape your I past. love the fact that we tied this in with the 30th anniversary of Breakfast Club. Because I tie this in a lot with whatever you were created to be, you will be. This has got to have been the worst movie in a long time about family upbringing. Name one positive family figure in this movie. I dare you. Mom of the two girls was shown drinking Baileys in the middle of the afternoon. Glenn Gregg's mom had no caring that he was taking off. He even said she wouldn't even know the difference that he was going away for the night. Paul's parents weren't even acknowledged at any time in this movie. This was a movie all about... they need to be? No, but it's a movie about parents who've totally checked out. That basically, whatever you've been created to be, you will be. Whatever family upbringing you were brought up in, you will carry. So to me, It Follows is as much about the family element as it is about the creature. Hmm. Or demon, or whatever it is. I totally thought that was a metaphor for the family upbringing. Yeah, well, I, I took it to sort of like a uh, no matter no matter what you do to try to fix it, your past will always come back to haunt you. Mm-hmm. Oh, certainly that. There's and, no... and these and these characters they're not played up. And Jay in no way is played up as some sort of some easy slut. Oh no, and, no. and none of these guys are played up as some sort of horn dog predator. No, that, so it's hard. So that's what I'm trying to reconcile. It, it, it's not. It, it's hard to sit here and say that any of these people made any kind of mistake. So it's not like you can say your mistakes come back to haunt you, but just whatever. Maybe your actions come back to haunt you. All of these people are people that you you you'd say I've known that person. I've met that person. I've been around that person. There was nothing that felt like some insane horror movie trope in terms of personality. Uh, unless you want to put the par- the the drunk parents onto that, but as far as our main four or five characters, none of them felt that way. They they all seemed to exist. They all were real. They all had feelings. They all tried to think their way through all the situations, whether or not they believed what Jay was going through. Right. Yeah. Well. Um... I don't know how much more we want to belabor this. But, I, I, uh, I, I don't it, think we need to. Well, there's nobody really in it you've heard of before. No, even But though. I thought they were all good. Yeah, they they were. There were a few times I'm like, you're clearly not the most polished actor, but certainly worked for what we were being offered. Yeah. Um, Maika, whatever her name was, Jay, yeah. well, I, I thought did a really good job. Considering, let's be honest, 90% of the movie's on her. Sure. Um, now the critics of this, who, who are thinking of this, you know, the, 
the feminazis that are all over this. I won't. I won't name names. You know who we. You know who yeah, I, I know. Um, you know, basically just saying it's another, you know, chick opening her legs up kind of thing. And, and man, I didn't see that. In no at way. All. No, no. It, it, they even have the conversation where she's walking with her sister. When her sister's out there, the, the smoke break conversation, where her sister says, so have you? And, and Jay says, no, we haven't. It, it just really hasn't come up kind of things, but do I want to? Eh, maybe. Yeah. It, there's there's none of that in this movie. If, if people are latching onto that, they're just looking for something to argue about. Yeah. It, or they're trying to ignore the fact that in real life, Come date three or four, a lot of people do that. Sure. It, it's reality. And it's to put, put your head in the sand and say, people aren't that way. No, you're not that way, but that's not people. That's you. Yeah. So, yeah. Then let's, the feminazi contingent can just go fuck themselves. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, uh, final grade for you? For me, I will give it a four out of five, all bordering on four and a half out of five. Yeah, I'm this is a... Very watchable film. I'll be curious to see how it plays out on a rewatch. I don't know if this is a repeat watchable film, and and that's um, I, I'm going I think to, it could. I think it definitely deserves another watch. Just it to does. see if you've missed anything. I'm going to buy the Blu-ray. Uh, this is a movie I feel like I need to own, yeah, which is saying something, something right now. Yeah, it's like the Baba Duck for me, you know. And and how great is it that in a six-month period of time we've had the Baba Duck and it follows. Mm-hmm. When we've come out in the past and say that horror is starting to feel like a dead genre, right now it's not. No. There's some great entries being brought into it. I like a lot of the uh, the camera work in this too because it's a lot. Of, it was a lot of the paranormal activity, oscillating. Fan My type favorite stuff. camera work in this movie was when she was strapped to the wheelchair and they attached the camera to it. Yeah. So you got everything from it. when she woke up, the, the shakiness of the camera as she came to yeah. and being rolled around. Dude, that was brilliant. And there was another shot where she was in the pool scene in the end where I was like, this is, this is what you play. Th- this is what you're betting everything on that. It's going to go into a pool and you can electrocute it. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it, the way they did the camera work felt so helpless did you feel like that, that that pool was pretty well maintained for that neighborhood, though? <laughs> Let's discuss. I wasn't even sure that, that that school or whatever that was was even open. Right. But yeah, the pool looked pretty we clean. We do need, and this is my four out of five, and not going higher. The one drawback I have in this movie is there were no consequences for anything. Paul shot girl in the leg. She goes to hospital, no consequences. He didn't have to answer for it. Glenn Gregg, whatever his name is, Jay goes over into that house. Her DNA would be in that house. No answering for it. They broke into the Detroit high school pool. Yeah, I don't know what that was supposed to be. There was no alarm system. No consequences. Well, how about no consequences? Just for... They basically... They basically... Align with the fact that dude left Jay at the very beginning. Essentially, I mean, you could imply that he raped, even though he said that she said that it was consensual. Mm-hmm. 
But they never went after him. Right. He's still strapped to a chair. him that we know of. Right. He's still, he still chloroformed her. Yeah. <laughs> strapped her to a chair. And thank you for showing a little more realistic chloroform. Usually in a movie you get like the rag up there and like within three seconds out. they're out. Instead of the, yeah, and this was like a minute of her fighting, yeah. fighting, yeah, yeah, fighting. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it... That was the one drawback I had here. Where do you get chloroform anyway? I don't know. Uh, and I, I did get angry with her in that scene because personally, I thought Which one? in the scene where she got chloroformed oh, okay. because that was part and parcel with the entire date scene around the, the field. Again with mm-hmm. the fucking flowers. There, there was a whole lot to do the with trees, the nature, the flowers. So yeah. I, I got. I found myself getting angry because, personally, I found this guy to be a fucking dickhead. When they were in line for the movie or whatever it is they were waiting for, and she, pl- I didn't fart. Why are you giving me that? Oh, maybe you didn't. maybe it was just maybe it just shifted in the seat a little bit. All right, I, I would only shot from earlier. That's no. all. When they're waiting in line, she says she wants to play the was it the trade game or whatever else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was a dick about that. First thing is he's standing in front of her like, well. What you you're bored? You got a problem? Yeah. And I'm not looking at him going. This girl's gorgeous. Yeah. This is the way you're trying to talk to her. And yet, well, it was interesting at that point in the movie because a lot of this stuff's going on, and a lot of the point you're about 15 minutes in, you're like, something gonna happen here, right? <laughs> And then finally it does Because that. out of the gates, it's yeah. just boom. You get the scene with Andy right. running around. Right. Then just... It was 15 minutes of like... Nothing. Nothing, yeah. It, it, but it, it, Not that it's, it's uninteresting. Oh, no. It's but just, it's basically just setting the stage for the relationships like, they have. Actually, you're going to have some horror in your horror movie? Yeah. You know? <laughs> Parents have checked out. Yeah. And this guy doesn't appear to be what she thinks he is. Right. So... Yeah, the the consequences thing for me was a was a bit rough. Jay probably should have thought this guy's a dickhead, but whatever. I still love this movie. I give uh, it a yeah. four to five. I'm with you too. A four point two five out of five is wrong. And it's certainly rewatchable. I'll I'll I've got to see I'll, it I'll check it out. Got to see it again. All right. Um, well, we we don't know what the next don't know what the next thing. We know that in five weeks we got Avengers. We'll see if something. And then maybe something else pop up. It may turn out to be something we we feel is unworthy enough of podcasting. We end up at Buffalo Wild Wings instead. Yeah, you never know. All right. Later. Late.